Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online and our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. The Lord be with you. Our theme today is love. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? And he seems to answer with two commandments. Love God, love neighbor. And in our biblical tradition, those two commandments are woven together and are inseparable. In the Old Testament, I'll I'll paraphrase what God says, don't bother loving me if you can't love each other. And in the New Testament, I'll paraphrase again, if you're coming to worship and you have a conflict with a neighbor, turn around, go back and make peace with them. It's no surprise then as we begin worship in our churches we pause to share the peace of Christ. For our relationship with God is very dependent on our relationships with each other. I worked with a pastor once who, when the passing of the peace was announced in the church service, she would start going around the congregation seeking out anyone with whom she may have had a conflict, a harsh word, or some misunderstanding during the week. And sometimes, It took a while. (laughs) The Bible uses several different words that describe different kinds of love. Romantic love, love within the family, love between friends, and love of God and neighbor, called agape love. The Bible uses these several different words, but in our English language, we are limited to one word of love that's used in many different ways. We love our family. We love our food, obviously. We love our cars and our books, our pets and our music. We love to go to the theater and to travel and, well, it goes on and on. We love so many things. And we use this same word in all these different ways. So what do we mean when we say we love God and we love our neighbor? I had a book once, a little book, that I seem to have lost in one of my moves at some time or other. But it said it's all, but he said it all in its little title. Love is a verb. Love is a verb. The love Jesus is expecting us to possess is not a thought about something. It's not a feeling of affection, but rather an action. Something that exists in what we are doing. So it's important to hear clearly what Jesus is saying when he tells us to love God and love neighbor, that he's talking about relationships. So I want to begin talking with you about verbs today. 
The verbs that our biblical tradition suggests are integral for loving God and loving neighbor, for embracing loving relationships. It was my pleasure a few years ago to represent the presbytery that I was a part of at the time, the Presbytery of Detroit, on a visit to Kenya to our sister presbytery, Fika Presbytery, just north of Nairobi. I and several of my colleagues spent three weeks there visiting all 40 congregations and meeting their deacons and their elders and the five pastors who ministered to these 40 thriving congregations. Yes, each pastor was responsible for eight congregations. I don't recommend including that in the job description for your new pastor when the time comes. The pastors visited each of their congregations once every eight weeks, otherwise delegating preaching and leading to the elders and the deacons. Now, I saw few cars at these churches, so the first activity of love I noticed was the hundreds of people walking to church on Sundays, some of them walking several hours on severely rutted dirt roads. And as the church filled up, crowds gathered at the windows and at the doors in the back so that they might catch a glimpse or a word that might speak to them. When they introduced themselves to me, they would say something like, Good morning. My name is Esther. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Wow. They wanted me and everyone else to know, whoever they introduced themselves to, that they loved their Lord. Well, one afternoon, I was invited to meet with a group of HIV-positive women from the community, along with several church members who were ministering to them. And these women were invisible as far as the government was concerned. The community considered them to be moral outcasts, even though they had contracted this disease through their own husbands. But the church was determined to love them to pay attention to them, their neighbors, to give them a chance to tell their stories, to share their fears and their dreams, and perhaps as a result, shame the government into some kind of action to help these poor people. This congregation also paid attention to neighbors in another interesting way. The deacons of the church were organized into districts, and in each of those districts, they were assigned the task of knowing who lived there, all of the names of the people in that community, and to be alert to those who were ill, who were suffering, who needed help in any way, and to go to their homes and offer the assistance that they required, and to know if there were events in their lives to be celebrated. Spreading the net of awareness wider and farther enabled the congregation to be a loving presence for those who may or may not have any idea what it means to love God or love a neighbor. I did check into Thika Presbytery's website this weekend to see what they're up to. It seems that they've been growing since I've been there. They've now gone from 40 to 61 congregations and they've added a couple of pastors. Awareness, paying attention, 
is a gift of love we can offer those around us. Who isn't delighted to have someone ask them to listen to their story, to share their life's journey? I heard someone say recently that every, every person we meet is an opportunity to be surprised and to see and hear something extraordinary if only we take the possibility. And given that opportunity, people will shine. When they have a chance to tell someone who they are, what dreams they have, what challenges they face. I think how Jesus loved by being aware of others. He saw the blind man by the side of the road, the one that the disciples said, stay away, just move along and keep Jesus alone. Don't, don't worry about him, just leave him alone. But Jesus stopped and talked with him and healed him. How many opportunities do we have to pay attention and even to heal? In the last congregation I served, we realized we didn't know each other very well, that we could hardly be friends who loved each other if we didn't share a bit more about who we are. So we started something called Three for Five. At the fellowship hour following the first Sunday's worship each month, we asked for three volunteers to take up to five minutes to share their story with us, to tell about their work or their family or their hobbies, or their dreams and schemes, or their challenges. And we asked what their favorite Bible story was. We were rather amazed at the rich fellowship and conversations we had been missing. To engage in conversation with any of our neighbors is perhaps the greatest and easiest form of love we can share. To take the time to really see someone. I know whenever I've started ministry in a new congregation, I've always had to create more and more opportunities for people to come and tell me their stories because once they get started, they like to keep going. We all have our opportunities. Our opportunities to be aware. Maybe within our families, yes. At work, at school right here in the church? What occasions do we have here with our church responsibilities to put away our tools and close our computers and take the time to pay attention to one another? And in our mission and our service ministries with the wider community and the world, how do we find ways to focus our attention on individuals and hear them? I am sure you are doing that already on Wednesday nights and with your Cuba ministry and many other places. I was blessed as a college graduate to find a teaching job at a high school in Utah. It happened to be a Presbyterian boarding high school, believe it or not, that welcomed students from all over the West and around the world who needed the kind of support and encouragement and love and care that this incredible staff could offer them. We only had 120 students and 15 staff. And since we lived together 24-7, we got to know each other pretty well. well. One year, we accepted a student named Jane. She was from southern Utah. She was a Presbyterian, a very rare species of student in that part of the world. 
Her religion helped make her an outcast at her home school. And we knew when we accepted Jane that she would never graduate with a diploma. She was so far behind. She was so shy and so awkward. And she had learning difficulties that even our specialists couldn't help her overcome. She and her parents knew this. And that was why they appealed to us to help her the best we could. And so we agreed to try. Jane moved into a dorm, and her social awkwardness kept her alone. She couldn't look anyone in the eye. She never spoke a word. She never passed a class. And then her dorm mother had an idea. Now, one of the things I loved about this school was that the teachers all got together once a week to talk about all of their students and to pray for them. Well, it was here that the dorm mother revealed her simple, creative plan. Let's make Jane our official office assistant and have her do this several periods a day. And the headmaster's office will create some messages that need to be distributed to teachers around the campus, and we'll send Jane out to do that and to communicate those messages to those teachers verbally. And then the teachers will give her their reply, send her back to the office to give her communications verbally to the staff. And it was a slow start. But eventually we noticed Jane lifting her head, looking us in the eye. She began to speak on her own. She began to tell us about herself, and we listened and we were amazed. And then she shocked us all when she announced she would be joining the theater club. She performed in every play. And then she shocked us again when she was brought back to school after a vacation by a boyfriend. Jane smiled. All the time, Jane smiled. At the end of her senior year, Jane beamed as she walked across the stage to receive her certificate. It wasn't a diploma. But she was proud. And with tears in our eyes, we stood with her parents to applaud her. She was a new person. She knew she mattered. Love God and love your neighbor, Jesus says. That love was a verb for him that he demonstrated over and over again as he paid attention took the time to listen, to learn, to care. In this world where so much is wrong and so many are hurting, it may seem impossible that we can make any difference at all. But what the world needs now is to start where God has put us and to be aware of those God brings our way. Pay attention to them, listen to them, learn their stories so they know they matter. What the world needs now is love, sweet love.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary, as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.